Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. So this morning we've got Malcolm sharing the word with us, so just give it up for him. A little bit more. Come on. Good morning, church. It's awesome being here um, and being able to share with you guys this morning. Uh, but before we go into the word, I just want to uh, highlight the Victory Weekend. Um, that's in September, that first weekend in September. Please prioritize it. Uh, the Victory Weekend is an awesome opportunity for you to, um, where God can just help you with your brothers and sisters to deal with some of the things that have happened in your past, uh, where you can break down strongholds, uh, where you can set things aside so that you can live a victorious life. Amen? So that's why we call it the Victory Weekend. So we encourage you to please uh, make sure that you've also done the one-to-one with somebody that's discipling you um, and in your connect uh, before you go to this just so you can lay a good foundation so that when you go to Victory Weekend that you can get the most out of it. Amen. Um, So please go to the information table after the the service and you can get more information there. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Um, We've been doing the Ian Act series uh, for the last, last couple of weeks. This is week number three. Ian Act, if you're not from our church, E-N is us, every nation. And God has called us into action. Amen. So enact. Um, and the first week we did pray. Um, God has called us as a church to pray. And then in the second week, uh, Pastor Tian was here from Okahania. Um, and he did a brilliant job on as a church we are called to give. Uh, to give not only of our resources, but also of our time and of ourselves. To set aside like everything that we think is our own and trust God that he will help us to give in the way that he expects us to give. Amen. And today we'll be talking about the church. Um, Ian Act, and we're going to talk about the church. So let's try and understand who is the church. Um, in the original Greek, uh, church was... Ecclesia, um, and the New Testament was written in Greek. So when they refer to the word as church in the English translation, it was actually the word Ecclesia. And in Ecclesia, Christian theology, it means that it's a particular body of faithful people or a whole body of the faithful. And in Latin, it means an assembly, a congregation or council, or a convocation. A convocation is a gathering of people. So that is what the definition of church is in the Bible. So is the church a who or is the church a what? And in today's world, like many times, uh, people like to refer to the church as a building. And at this point, let me just plug the building quickly. So as you can see, we are in a temporary (laughs) facility. This is not our plan A. Our plan A is at the top. Okay, guys, so let me just plug the church building here just quickly because I'm heading out the building fund. So when people see me, they see, ah, there's this guy again. (laughs) So please, guys, let's not get comfortable here. Uh, We have a mission. Uh, We are going to the top. And thank you so much to Caroline and to everybody that put that together for us as well. Uh, The vision casting is there. We've also just completed um, an awesome campaign as well. Um, So congratulations to those people who got uh, the prize, two tickets to Cape Town. Um, and also a trip to uh, Irindi. So, 
is the church a who or is the church a what? And yes, we've got this building and it's a great facility and we're very proud of it. But in the Bible, we can clearly see that nowhere in the New Testament does it ever refer to a particular building. It always refers to a group of believers. So the group of believers in Acts 8 verse 1, there it was referring to the Jerusalem church. And in Acts 13, it was referring to the Antioch church. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, Paul was referring to the Corinthian church. So it's a small group of people or a, a group of people that gather together who are the believers. But Jesus also referred to the church. And he referred to his church. And that is the worldwide body of believers. So in Matthew 16, verse 18, uh, Jesus is speaking to Peter. And he speaks to P Peter. And he changes Peter's name, which was originally Cephas, to Peter. And Peter means rock. And God says, Jesus says to Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And in verse 19, Jesus goes on to say, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And who is he giving these keys to? To Peter. No, he's giving it to the church. I will give you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So what's fascinating about this is Jesus is now basically commissioning the church, this new body, and he's doing it through Peter. And if you fast forward into Acts, you'll see that this rock that Jesus is referring to is Peter. And Peter is the first one that does the call to the unbelievers and says, come, come to Jesus. Um, on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people give their lives to the Lord, and the church is officially born on that day. So Jesus is foretelling what is to come, that uh, the church will come, and it will be built on the rock, and that rock is Peter, who's going to be bringing that. So the church is not necessarily a what. It is a who. It is us. But is there a where? Is there a particular place where the church needs to be? And no, the church is everywhere. The church is um, at your workplace. The church is in um, your car when you're on your way to work, screaming at that taxi driver. <laughs> the church is right there. The church is um, in your home. The church is when you're sleeping, when you are getting up, when, or maybe you're out on the town having a good time. Huh? You are still the church. There is no switching that off. And are you representing who it is that has sent you as the church, wherever it is that you go? We are all ambassadors of Christ. Amen? And so from that point of view, wherever you are, you are the church. But oftentimes the church isn't necessarily something that is beautiful or lovely. Oftentimes when it is that we're going about our, our business and we're running around being busy or being self-righteous as that guy with his nose up in the air. I work hard to maintain this righteous expression. Hmm? And the lady at the bottom, I would never do that. Oftentimes as the church, that is how we are viewed by unbelievers, by people that do not know God. They view us as self-righteous. We wage holy war using the Bible taking this heavy book and beating it over people's heads and explaining to them, like, listen here, yeah, you've got to do this. What we do is we take the Bible, which is the most alive, most beautiful, most 
impactful book in the world and we make it boring. We distill it down to a list of do's and don'ts. Don't do this, you got to do that. And that is so much, like the word, the Bible, is so much more than a list of do's and don'ts. We are like that man there who speaks peace but harbors bitterness and strife and anger and malice. We say one thing and do another. We are hypocrites. And how often have we heard people calling the church a bunch of hypocrites? And as I pointed out to you earlier, when people say these things about the church, they're not saying it about an abstract group of people. They are saying it about us. They're saying it about you and about me. And I'm preaching to myself here as well. I don't always get it right. And what I love is like on, on Monday, um, we had a, a meeting here at the church uh, with the leaders, and Pastor Chris was there, and Pastor Chris was on a roll. <laughs> he was just telling jokes, and everybody was laughing, and then later on, he like turned to everybody, but he was like, listen here, guys, as the church and as believers, we need to have the joy of the Lord, right? Because we have been saved. We've been set free. We know what the alternative is, and the alternative is death. The alternative is destruction. And how can we not but be joyful? But as the church, when we're walking around, are we always spreading the joy of the Lord wherever we go? Or are we sullen? Are we downcast? Are we the ones who are the first to complain? It is good to be happy. It's good to, to laugh. And it's good to express the joy of the Lord wherever it is that we go. But it's not just the, the modern-day church that struggled with this. So in Galatians 2, verse 11 to 13, we have a not-so-lovely story of Peter and Paul. And remember, I explained to you who Peter was. Peter was the guy. He was the rock that the church was established upon. The church was built on that first sermon that he gave. Amen? He walked with Jesus from day one of his ministry. This is Peter. So, when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, this is Paul now, right? like he's writing to the Galatian church, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Now, Peter and Paul are Jews. And Peter was eating with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, who's they? The, the other Jews. When they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. How could Peter do this? Hey? Peter, the rock, the rock that the church was built on, this Peter, he did this. And let's, let's give a modern-day example. This is the equivalent of modern-day racism. Where's my friend Score? Score? Where are you? Oh, there's Score. So this is like the modern-day equivalent of, I saw Score earlier was drinking her Oshikandela, her, her, like her breakfast. So this is the equivalent of me, Malcolm, hanging out with my friend Score. And when I'm around Score, I'm like, I'm interested in, in her culture. And I'm like, Score, teach me more about being Oshivambu and can I have some of your Oshikandela? Hey, give me some of that Oshikundu as well. <laughs> and you know, let's go to single quarters and let's go have some kapana, you know. And hey, we're having a ball of a time, me and Sko. 
And I'm loving this. And she even teaches me like a few of the, like, like the words, the language. Um, hey? Okay, Fee. And then all of a sudden, my bastard grandparents come from out of town. And whoa, 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 whoa. Now all of a sudden, you know, I don't speak Afrikaans. I don't eat in the bread. Score, we score. Nee, 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 nee. Nee, no, I don't hang out with those Oshivambu people. That is what Peter was doing. That is exactly what Peter was doing. He was completely rejecting the Gentiles. And Barnabas, Barnabas was Paul's buddy. When Paul went on his missionary trip, the first one, who went with him? Barnabas. And he went to the Gentiles. This is the Barnabas that's being led astray as well. Rejecting the Gentiles. Being a complete hypocrite. But you know what's fascinating about the Bible? And I don't think that there's another holy text like this. Not that there is any other holy text. But in this Bible, we are not spared the gruesome, ugly details of the heroes of our faith. These were flawed individuals just like us. Peter, who the church was built on, did this. And the Bible doesn't exclude that story. No, instead it includes it so that we can learn from it. So that we can also say, look, Peter was also fallible, and so am I, but I can learn. I can be better than that. And so often, when people fail us in church, what is our response as believers? Is our response like Paul, where Paul corrected his brother, told him, listen here, this is not on. I condemn your actions. But beyond that, they were still living in fellowship. You never hear of Paul and Peter splitting and then no, like never speaking again. You don't see Paul, you know, bearing this cross about how the church and the brethren and the leaders have hurt me and have injured me. And because of that, I cannot serve God wholeheartedly and fully anymore. Because so and so has hurt me and so and so has done this against me. And so therefore, I have every right to hold this against the church. This is the ultimate leader. This is the leader that started the church. And Paul didn't lose his salvation as a result of this, did he? No. What excuse do we have? So, when people say that they don't want to be part of church anymore, you know, that, they, um, that they like Jesus, you know, and, uh, and like I want to be a Christian, but I don't necessarily like, you know, these broken, messy, hypocritical, judgmental Christians that meet on a Sunday. I don't necessarily want to be associated with them. I'd rather just be associated with Jesus. Is that right? Is that the right thinking? Is that the right way to behave? And there's a new trend like this. There's a new movement amongst people saying that, listen here, I'm so much bigger than the religion, you know? No, no, no. For me, it's just about me and Jesus. That's what's important. Never mind the Christians, these messy, ugly, hypocritical people. Look in the mirror, man. You're the hypocrite. You're being judgmental right now by saying that about the church. What does the Bible say about meeting together as believers? In Acts 2, verse 41 to 44, this is on the day of Pentecost. So Peter's now just given his amazing... Um, first sermon, and 3,000 people's hearts are turning towards Jesus, right? 
And these are strangers. These are people from all over the world that are hearing uh, the gospel being preached for the first time in their own language. And so they turn to, to Jesus and they establish the church. And in 41 it says, So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles, to the teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. You have to understand who these people were, though. They were from all over the world. They had very little in common except the Jewish belief system. So they were there as a pilgrimage, and then they were going to go back to wherever it is that they came from. But instead, they found Jesus, they turned to him, and they gave it all up, and they had everything in common. And that's what's fascinating about this little experiment that we've got going on here, right? Where else in the world are you going to find a group of people like this? We have everybody from two years old all the way up to 50, 60, 70 years old sometimes on a Sunday. We have black, we have white, we have divorced, we have married. We have people here who are widows, we have people here who are orphans. We have everybody of every tribe and tongue and language possible. We have people from other countries coming into this building and communing together and getting along and loving each other. Hey? This weird experiment that we have called church is a thing of beauty. How could anybody want to reject it? Okay? Because you're never going to find this anywhere else. And that's what's beautiful about this beginning church is that they laid that foundation for us. They were a community and they gave up everything for each other. They ate together. They lived together. They devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship of the apostles. Um, and uh, so last year, right, um, I got very sick. So last year I got very sick. I got something called viral encephalitis. Okay? So viral encephalitis is where a virus attacks your brain. And I had swelling on the brain and I could have died. Um, and the consequences of that could have been really bad as well. So I could have had brain damage and all kinds of things could have gone wrong with me. Praise God, none of that happened. Amen. Uh, maybe my wife will tell you that I'm a little bit loco. <laughs> a little bit more loco than what I was before. Um, but everything is still intact, right? And you know what's amazing, guys? <laughs> You know what's amazing eh, is that um, during that time, who was it that carried me? My family, yes. My wife, definitely. But also this church. I had people from this church um, like calling me like on the worst possible days. You know? And just praying with me. Like, like, Mar like Margaret, for instance, she's not here, so I'll pick on her. Like one of my worst days, I was at home, I was recovering, and it took me months to, to get back to normal. And I was booked off for like months, and I was lying at home, and then I got a call, and it was like one of my worst days. And just out of the blue, Margaret gave me a call. And she's like, brother, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. And I just started bawling. And she just prayed for me. Okay? And that's what we have as the church. And I want to encourage you that if you feel disconnected, if you feel like 
this church isn't doing it for me. The onus is on you to get connected to this church. Because there are people here who will love you. Regardless of your background, regardless of your brokenness, regardless of your past and your history and whatever you've done wrong. There are people here who will love you. But you need to reach out. Be connected. Join a connect group. Speak to people. Join a ministry. Serve in this house. Because when you serve in this house, you build relationships with people. And those days when things get bad, those are the brothers and the sisters who are going to help you and carry you and pull alongside you. I thank God for Auntie Katrina. Huh? Like my wife was a wreck and Auntie Katrina carried her. Like just calling her, just praying with her, just being there for her, just saying, listen here, like you don't need to lose hope. And you know what? Later that year, my wife got sick and she almost died. <laughs> so Melody comes to me like the other day and she's like, listen here guys, can you just relax? <laughs> we love you. Stop looking for attention. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> and who was there in the hospital? My connect group. I told the guys, listen here, like, Priscilla's in the hospital. I don't know what's going on. And the guys just rocked up. And they couldn't do anything for her. They prayed with us, and they just made us laugh. It was just awesome. But the only way that you can get that is if you are here. And you've got to be connected. And um, we're not perfect people, okay, in this church. We're definitely not. And I know that I've hurt people in this church, okay? And we apologize and we move on. And I was saying to a friend this, this week and to Priscilla as well, I was like, this thing that we call church is not difficult. It's impossible, <laughs> okay? It is impossible, to love people that hate you, to forgive people who hurt you, to give money joyfully, being like, take my money. <laughs> and I don't want to know what you're doing. No, no, we're not like that. Uh, to, to be this kind of people who are so different, come from so many different back backgrounds, so many different classes of society, but we can love each other and we have everything in common because we have Christ in common. And so that is what makes it po possible. The fact that we have Jesus Christ living inside of us and the fact that we have the Holy Spirit with us. That is what makes this thing called Christianity possible. That this thing called church possible. That's the only reason that this thing works. And it is important to come together, guys. It's important because we need to encourage one another. In Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Like, this is the, an amazing place to come and receive encouragement. This is an amazing place to come and worship and pray together. I'm sorry, guys, but there is nothing as moving as being in a building like this with fellow believers who truly know what it is to worship in spirit and in truth and to worship together in this house. You can't replicate it at home. You cannot replicate it watching TBN. 
okay? You cannot do this on your own. There's something that happens in the atmosphere here with the expectation and that, like, that excitement that stirs when we meet together as believers. And what's awesome is you can receive teaching. And the teaching is free. Eh? For the most part. Okay, like we'll, like, like we'll charge you for the material, right? Like for the, for the printing. That's about all we charge you. But we have Bible school. We have Lead 215. We've got all this amazing teaching. We have Sunday services. And we're a teaching church. That's what we do. We come on Sundays and we oftentimes like teach. And this teaching is for free. Like Priscilla is a consultant, right? In strategy and, uh, and coaching. And so often she uses the Bible as source material for her strategy and her coaching. In the, in the secular world. Why? Because this word... This word makes you smarter. It makes you wiser. The beginning of wisdom starts in this word, is the fear of the Lord. And where do you learn that? In this word. The more time you spend here, the better you become as an individual. The better my relationship with my wife is, the better my relationship with my brother and my sister is. Um, we come together and we meet together so that we can fe fellowship, so that we can get to know one another. We come together so that we can bring hope. People walk in here often and they are hopeless. They are at their wit's end. They are struggling with something. I mean, I can mention numerous times where people have helped me out and where I've helped others out. Where somebody just needs advice. It's got nothing to do with the word. It's got nothing to do with just they need good counsel. And they can get it here. And we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. When we are together, we can rub off on each other and encourage other. And we can be what Bella said this morning. We can encourage each other to say, listen here, what is it that breaks God's heart? Come on, guys. Let's get real. Okay, it's not just about us. We need to be the salt and the light. So we've established that um, the church is a who, it's not a what, and that it's important for us to meet together. Amen? But what does the, the, the Bible say about us as the church? Jesus says that we are his bride. And in Ephesians 5, 25 to 28, it says, Husbands, love your wives, seek the highest good for her, and surround her with caring, unselfish love, just as... Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify the church having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word of God so that in turn he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she would be holy set apart for God and blameless. And what's beautiful about this, this passage um, is that Jesus doesn't see us as imperfect, broken people. I mean, I've said before that we are not perfect people, that we bump into each other and we hurt each other all the time as believers and as the church. But that's not how Jesus sees us. No. He says that he sees us as spotless, as perfect, as beautiful, without a wrinkle, and why is it that Jesus can look at us like that? Because he's taken our place. Right? We do not have self-righteousness. 
And when the church displays self-righteousness, that is why it becomes unattractive for the world to come in. But if we display what it is that Jesus has called us to be, which is his righteousness, then we are beautiful. Then we are spotless. Then we are perfect. And when you go around criticizing the church and pointing fingers and telling uh, and bad-mouthing your brothers and your sisters, remember who it is that you're criticizing. You are criticizing Jesus' perfect, spotless bride. That's who you are criticizing. How does Peter describe the church? In 1 Peter 2 verse 9 it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you have ever felt rejected, if you've ever felt like you don't belong, um, if you ever felt like uh, you don't have a place in this world, read this scripture and know what it is that God sees in you. And that royal priesthood, I just want to focus on that one specifically. What is it to be a royal priesthood? A priesthood is a body of priests, right? And who are the priests? In the Jewish um, culture, the priests were the only ones who were allowed into the Holy of Holies to spend time with God. Peter says, now you are that priesthood. There is no veil. There is no separation between you and God. You can spend time with God in his Holy of Holies anytime that you want to. That is something that the Jewish nation never had. But not only that, you are a royal priesthood. What does royal mean? Royal means that you are a regent. You are a king. You are a queen. You are a political figurehead. That is who we are as the church. We are meant to be the rulers of this earth. Not only the earth to come, the new, the life here after. We are meant to rule in this present age as well. But not only that, we are meant to proclaim the excellencies of the Lord and to bring his marvelous light. So imagine with me that um, there's a group of people, let's say it's these four ladies here, and they have never known light, never. They live in a dark room, and that's what they know all their lives. And the four of them think that they know each other pretty well. They've grown up together but they've never seen each other because there's no light in this room. And then one day I step in and I explain to them, listen here, there's this thing called light. But how do I describe it to them? How do you describe light to somebody who has never, ever experienced light? How do you explain color to them? How do you explain to them what eyes look like? And I love that song earlier where it says, let them see you when they look in my eyes. There's something beautiful about looking somebody in the eye and communicating with them. But they've never experienced that. And I can never describe it to them. I can only show it to them. And that's what's beautiful. It's like when you bring that light into that place, even though these four ladies think they know each other, they're going to get to know each other in a whole new way. (laughs) Eh? They're going to look at each other and be like, wow, I thought you were a lot more beautiful than that. (laughs) No, I'm joking. You ladies are beautiful. 
Like, and also, they're going to look at themselves and get to know themselves for the first time as well. They're going to look at themselves in the mirror and see what it's like when they smile for the first time. They're going to get to know themselves better. And that is what it is that we bring to the world. Jesus said in Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world. And the light cannot be hidden. You cannot put it under a table. You can't hide it away. You are the light of the world. And wherever we go, people are living in darkness and they don't know it. They, they have no idea. And how do you explain to them the beauty of this thing called salvation and this amazing life that you have as a believer? It's, it's difficult to put into words. The best way is to show them, to bring them. And that's what you get in this house as well. It's, it's difficult to evangelize to somebody one-on-one, especially if they know you, right? But bring them into this house. and Let them experience the light in this place and the electricity and the beauty of us lifting up hands and worshiping and then realizing that these crazy kooks must be onto something. How often times have people been saved coming into a church, just stepping in and knowing that something is different about this place? And yes, it is important for us to understand that we are the church wherever we go, but it's important for us to also come together and realize that there's beauty in this thing as well that we have going on here. How does the, the Bible also describe us? It says that we are the body of Christ. For just as one physical body, this is in Romans 12, 4 to 5, for just as one physical body, we have many parts, and these parts do not all have the same function or special use, so we are many, are nevertheless just one body in Christ. And individually, we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on each other. This is the body of Christ. What's in this room what's going to be here at half past 10, but also those individuals that are scattered all over the earth. We are the body of Christ. And, yeah. and as the body of Christ, Paul puts it in a different way in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 to 20. And he says that, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make, any, that, would not make uh, that foot any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, Should I, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And this is the thing, like oftentimes people will elevate a particular station in church. No, I want to be on stage worshiping. I want to be playing the guitar like Daniel. It looks so cool. <laughs> Wait, he does that. I want to be like that. And we elevate what Daniel does. And what Daniel does is beautiful. And it brings glory to God. Amen. But at the same time, we need those other parts of the body as well. Those parts of the body that aren't as um, 
elevated and as seen and as visible. We need every part of this body to play its position, to be what it is that God has called us to be. Because if one part of the body hurts and isn't functioning and doing it as it should, what happens? The whole body suffers. All of it suffers. And I don't care what part of this body you are. You are important to this house. You are important to the overall worldwide body of Christ. And God has put you on this earth for a particular purpose and a particular goal. And if you aren't fulfilling that, the rest of us are suffering as a result. So what, it mean, what does it mean to be part of this house and to be part of this body? Okay, number one, you need to be born again. If you're born again, it means that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and He gives you a new spirit. And once you are born again, then you need to get connected. You need to plug into this body. Find out what it is that you can do, um, who it is that you can spend time with. Join a connect group. Meet with people in this body. And then once you're connected, you need to grow. And by growing, you need to spend time in the Word. You need to spend time with other believers. Iron sharpens iron. And so you will grow. And then once you are growing, you need to serve, give, and contribute towards this house. To be part of this house and to see this house flourish and grow, you need to give to this house. In time, in resources, in serving, and then once you've got that, you need to lead. God has called every single one of us to lead in one form or another. Every single one of us has a purpose. We are a church, we, and as a church, we are a community of believers. As a church, we are a community of believers that help each other grow. And lastly, we are a church, uh, a community of believers that are called to go and make disciples. In Acts 13, verse 1 to 3, it says, Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, I think, Lucius of Cyrene, <laughs> Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. And we're sending off our dear sister Edla over there, which is awesome. And it's going to be great to send her out there and as an arrow, you know, just to go and receive on that side. And as an arrow, she's going to come back in here and she's going to affect this city and this nation in a powerful way. Amen. And that is what God has called every single one of us to be as well. Um, as every na nation, Dorado, we are part of a worldwide family of churches and ministries that exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. It is in our DNA to be evangelistic. That is the mission. That is the point. Jesus didn't come so that we might be comfortable. Okay? Jesus came that we would be changed, that we would go and be the light, and bring others into the fellowship. If we are not doing that, then we are fulfilling as the church. Then we are not fulfilling our mandate. And I want to close off with um, a prayer for every nation, Dorado. 
Um, and I want all of us to pray that, and I want you to think about this during the week as well, that we would thank God for the community of believers that we have, for the beautiful experiment that we've got going on here. Thank God for your pastors, for the leaders, and for the friends that you have in this church. And then I also want you to pray um, that you would help one another honor and obey God always. That as the church, we would always be united in fulfilling God's purpose on earth. That we would understand what it is that we are here for. That we are not here for ourselves. We are here as Christ's ambassadors. And as Christ's ambassadors, we are here to share the light with those who are living in darkness and to bring them into that light. And I want you to pray that the gospel would continue to be preached and that more and more disciples would be made through this church and through his church. Amen. Thank you. Can we please all stand? And um, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, um, if you are here today and you're listening to this message and something is stirring inside of you and you know that you want this, but you don't have it. You don't have this salvation that it is that I speak of. You do not feel like you belong to the church. If you haven't made a decision for Christ to make him your Lord and Savior, and if you would like to do that this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to be bold. I want you to raise your hand and say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to feel like I belong to the church, to this body of believers. I want to feel what it means to be truly loved, what it means to be set free, what it means not to have guilt, to have feelings of condemnation. If that's you this morning, I ask that you just raise your hand. See that hand. Seeing as we are all believers, Lord, I just want to th thank you for this body, Lord God, for this church, for this group of individuals, Lord God, who have a past, who have brokenness in their past, Lord God, but who have been set free through their belief in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that you have taken away our sin, that you remove it as far as the east is from the west, Lord God. And because of that, Lord, we are now a holy nation. We are consecrated. We are set apart, Lord God. We are a royal priesthood. And Lord, as the church, Lord, I ask that you would empower us, that you would help us realize, Lord God, what it means to be part of this royal priesthood, Lord. May we walk into this week, Lord God, knowing what it is that we have been called to do, Lord. That we are called, Lord, to spread the light. Lord, that we are called, Lord, to be the salt of the earth. Lord God, that without us in this world, Lord, so many would be lost, so many would be uh, forsaken, Lord God, so many would not have hope. Lord, help us to bring hope to the destitute, to the orphan and to the widow, Lord God, to be your hands and feet. Lord, I just want to bless every single person here today, Lord God. Um, Lord, I pray that you'd, that you'd give us a good week ahead, Lord God. And that you'd give us opportunities, Lord. Lord, that we are trusting you for opportunities to speak into people's lives, Lord God, and to share the good news of the gospel. I thank you for this. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>
Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.